Hello, and welcome back to the Blue Lineage podcast series. Uh, this is the first episode after the timeline, so we've now completed the timeline and kind of set the framework for what the project is about, and now I can kind of move on to just talking about current events and the current happening as far as the music world and industry, culture, all of that, and you know whatever we kind of get to bring up or... You know some of the things that uh, the listeners bring up um, that just c- pops up in the news that seems relevant and connected to the timeline. And this is actually a special episode, uh, just because uh, this is in collaboration with a course on womanist epistemological research at uh, Morgan State Graduate Social Program or Department uh, through Dr. Denise Davison, and it was a really uh, great course. Um, I found what I really found interesting about it was just, you know, besides the womanist perspective, was also the course really focused on the integration of technology and different forms of media, um, really to um, embolden or uh, highlight uh, indigenous storytelling, kind of bring that to the forefront, which was something with this uh, the Blue Lineage timeline. Um, and project was something that was really at the core of that was just to create a platform or a space where uh, the culture, the artists, the people who are behind the music and all that music history were able to uh, have a avenue or a, a place where, you know, you could talk and speak about that history when it doesn't, you know, when it doesn't necessarily have to be written down or, you know, produced a high budget film, you know, it's just a community experience where, you know, people who may not, may not necessarily had a voice in the past or, you know, old family stories are kind of brought to the forefront and told in a space where, you know, maybe they haven't been able to before because what we know as we've talked about with the timeline is a lot of these, a lot of the narrative has been shaped by the business and, you know, the mainstream culture in the era that it occurred. And so in a lot of cases, when you're talking about black American music, a lot of the, you know, what was relevant to the actual culture and the people who created it may have been uh, dismissed or not highlighted as much, or, you know, in some cases it was over highlighted and kind of just shaped in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect the re- the real experiences of what were, what was going on. And that's, a portion of what really attracted me to, the, to this course, um, number one, um, the course really talked about, uh, um, really mentioned hashtag syllabus or syllabi, I should say, and those movements when you talk about uh, what has been done and created on Twitter to raise, raise awareness about a lot of the, you know, the shootings, um, Black Lives Matter, all of these important issues have come up uh, more in the recent uh, in recent history and really used you know the greater public and the crowdsourcing and community um, and elevated voices that nece- weren't necessarily elevated before to you know really create a narrative or a counter narrative to really uh, you know show the world show the people who are willing to listen and interested and really you know convey very important knowledge that we hadn't seen before just because a lot of people didn't have this collective voice where we could come together. And, you know, there's definitely pros and cons 
to the space as we've seen. But I think, you know, just, you know, it's, it's, it's a young uh, system. It's a young technology. So just, you know, being, you know, having a course that really tries to parse that out and really highlight some of the very, you know, important strengths and movements that have resulted from some of this use of technology, I think is important, especially when you think of the social social work department or public health, um, you know, which are important fields to me. Um, I think, you know, this is a great opportunity because it's not necessarily something that we get to see a lot of a lot of times in the academic world specifically in this department or area so that's kind of where it connected to me um you know obviously with speaking about the woman's perspective uh you know this timeline is not something that you know i would ever say fully crosses over into that but you know there's a lot of crossover and you know taking this course and you know looking at the project i was working on i saw some crossover so it seemed like a a good opportunity to kind of bring them together and and highlight some of the sort of uh, womanist themes or perspectives that are in the timeline, um, you know, considering the history and just kind of how the timeline uh, evolves or how it comes to shape, you know, I think there's, and on in some ways it highlights uh, a lot of the, the core um, themes of womanism and also, I think, because it is a document of history, you can kind of see how, uh, you know, this, the music business industry or just, you know, American history in general was operating, you know, against or counter to a lot of these womanist principles um, just because, you know, even today, um, when you're just talking about womanism, which, you know, really centers around black women, you know, you can just go to current times and you can see clearly see that you know the music business the music industry music in today's time is still not uh you know women, black women are not represented equally throughout the entire industry you know obviously in the timeline and other um situations you can see you know performers and singers but as we know you know as far as uh producers people behind the soundboard um, you know, all these other positions, positions of power, you know, management, there's, you know, it's not equally represented, but of course, womanism is, it, uh, it goes beyond that. And, you know, it, it, it really highlights, um, and focuses on the strengths of each individual and, you know, their sort of strengths and ability to adapt and be resilient. And so it, you know, you can call kind of also expand some of the themes of the themes of womanism to the rest of the timeline without without overly uh, focusing on on that aspect. Although it is important uh, to consider and to think about, and I think you know, attending a, an HBCU like Morgan State, it's a really great and unique experience. You know, the campus life, the faculty, the professors. Uh, you know, my fellow scholars, you know, really, truly offers a very special and enriching experience. But at the end of the day, you know, underneath it all, the functioning, you know, academic institution, you know, you, you need to be accredited, you need national accreditation, which is not necessarily going to represent the culture 
and you, know, you have all these greater institutions overseeing this in the process. And I think you know even at a place like an HBCU, you, you still, you know, you still come come to a question where it's you know what, who, or what has the power to define this institution and its programs and protocols and what have you and you know where are the funds coming from um you know that's always following the money is always a helpful process to to kind of find that out but you know you just wonder who is truly being represented you know is it a cyclical process are the primary recipients of the goods also the ones who are you know who have that institutional locus of control over the systems or you know whatnot is impacting them and you know i think that really reflects some of the academic concerns uh for authors of the women's approach as well in talking about academic literature and i mean the big question is you know where are they and i think today you know in this era that definitely is changing but you know if you if you look around the greater community you can find a lot of works about black culture black women just black people in general uh, but you know the question that you know we ask or womenist authors have asked is you know who's writing that narrative you know are they from inside or outside the culture are they observers or are they participants you know you don't necessarily have to be from the culture but you know there's definitely a difference between an observer and a participant you know there's all these different layers and one of the things that i keep going back to about womanism which i really uh, appreciate is just that it really does have all these layers um and you know really un unveils and shows all these different perspectives you know you can take this very uh direct you know sort of black and white perspective but then you also have all these know layers of gray that you can also uncover to really you know create a at least from a social work standpoint to really create a um, a very well catered unique perspective to apply to a individual or a small community or you know can keep going from there and I think that's really powerful it's a really powerful tool and a and, you know powerful perspective that really kind of integrates some of these different features that I think are especially important in the modern world when we consider you know, that things aren't necessarily just as black and white with all the information we have, with all the, you know, detailed histories, you know, people where you know, we live in a global world, um, we're connected to people in a different way. And you just have to, you know, approach things in a much more nuanced way with, uh, with, uh, you know, being more informed. And with, with that information comes all this other, all these other layers that you can kind of approach things from versus just, you know, maybe, you know, back in the day, like when you look at this timeline, some of the information that we come, we have, like when we go, as we go back, things really are just black and white because we have limited information about these artists, what was going on at the time. We know, you know, the, the core features, we know the, the, you know, the big events, we know some of the, some of the experiences of these individuals, but we don't have the full story in all cases. We only have kind of a rudimentary, almost elementary education about it. So when you have that, you know, things are a lot more simplified. And, you know, you can only approach that from so many angles. Um, you can assume some, you can, you know, kind of, uh, you can kind of guess what was going on, but, 
you know, it's definitely not the same as we progressed through this Blue Lineage timeline. We saw, as it got more recent, we saw um, more because we had more and we were able to dig in to more of artist history. We we were able to relate more to what was happening during those, you know, those, those eras because it's more culturally relevant. We have a more clear understanding based on our own experience. So, you know, as that happens, as we've moved forward, we, we definitely have that increased information. We have, you know, data, you know, we, we collect data on so much more. We have just all this wealth of information and it really just changes the whole ball game. And you can't just come from this hard stance of preconceived notions or, you know, ideas that were, you know, have been around for decades you have to come from a system that, you know, is more malleable, something that can be flexible and you can adapt to uh, as things change, as, you know, you gain more information and as you really get to know people as individuals because, you know, it's becoming less about groups. You know, the group is important, culture is important, community is important. But, you know, when we're talking about serving and uh, helping people and individuals within communities, you know, everyone has a little bit of a different story, a different experience, and we have to consider that um, experience when we're trying to support them and support the community as a whole. Because, you know, it's just going from that micro to macro and that kind of constant flux, you know, you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to, you know, have a system that uh, reflects that. And I think womanism is a great example. And for me, you know, the connection to that is music, because I think music as a sort of entity, um, however you want to think about it, you know, especially the blues and the blue lineage uh, community that this kind of represents, you know, you can kind of see that in the same way as far as the way it was evolved. Um, for those of you, many of you who have had experience with um, the blues community specifically um, and people who kind of follow that lineage, um, it's a very, uh, you know, it's all about tradition um, but also it flexes, you know, throughout the timeline, you can see examples in which people who may not have been accepted by the mainstream are kind of brought in to this community. And, um, you know, nothing's perfect, but, you know, it's very much, you know, just based on, you know, what what are your strengths? What do you bring to the group? Um, in this case, you know, it's going to be music, but it's also going to be culture, style. Um, you know, all these other aspects and, you know, how, how do we integrate and how do we, you know, work and move forward and, you know, create a piece of art in this case. And I think it's very similar uh, to womanism as far as how you, uh, you know, take, you view an individual and take their strengths and their ability to, to adapt and adjust and, you know, how does this integrate? How do I utilize this to move forward and to thrive and to um, really, you know, fit into the community in a, in a positive way. And so I think there's a lot of overlap there. And that's really what um, this episode is going to be about. I'm going to try not to make it overly uh, long uh, just because I don't want to just go on and on because I feel like with this, these, I could just go on with examples in the timeline all day. So I'll try to kind of just briefly brush through some of the examples and then once we kind of once I kind of put out some themes hopefully you can go to the website blueleanage.com 
or just look up the artists yourself, um, do your own research. But on the website, there are sort of like bios as well as songs and examples for each of these artists. So it, it's a good way to get started at least. Um, and you can always follow along as I'm going through on the website as well. There's a actual timeline for those who, those of you who have not listened before, there's a timeline on bluelinge.com and you can kind of follow along as I'm progressing through the era, the era. So I'm going to kind of go in a chronological order, uh, to try to keep things, uh, to make sure things make sense. It's just, you know, you, you need to have, uh, a system or an approach that really addresses the framework you know you have to you know you don't want to just be perpetuating the same systemic injustices just with different faces and features you know if you take a sort of you know kind of stereotypical or you know operate operate from a group perspective you know you're not uh, you're not going to be able to adapt and adjust to some of the nuances that you need to, uh, you know, so if you just approach an individual from uh, a stance of gender, for example, and a hard stance of gender, um, you know, what whatever people believe or don't believe, you know, it's not really overly relevant when you're talking about this individual because it's about their reality and their experiences. And if you're just taking it from a purely gender um, approach and you're not considering any, anything else, then, you know, you're going to run into some issues, you know, you're going to, even though you, you might be coming from a, a good space, you know, a sort of a progressive space, you know, a modern space, you know, what happens is you're still, as I said, per perpetuating the same systemic injustices, just with a different face and feature, you know, same thing for race and whatnot. There's just more nuances, you know, obviously, as we talk about in this timeline, very clearly there are clear injustices and there's a clear uh, power differential. There's a lot going on that is very clear. But once again, you know, you don't want to just flip everything and say that's OK. You need to you know, really take a new, different, nuanced approach to, to prevent the continued or now new perpet perpetuated uh, injustices. And. You know, of course, with uh, black music, it's a little bit more complicated because um, you're just adding, you know, the music industry has always presented a, a black face, whether whether it was natural or painted on, as we know. And if you go into history, if you're not already aware about what I'm speaking of, you can go to some of the early episodes of the timeline and, um, you know. But, you know, one of the things about the, the story of black music is there's, there's kind of a clear delineation where business and the production aspects really took the lead and the art became more secondary, you know, within this greater industry, greater, greater industrial framework. Um, but, you know, that's not to take anything away from the art and the music that we do have and that's produced throughout history and still is you know still uh being produced today you know i think some people might say that have a lot of criticisms about music or might say that you know good music isn't made anymore and that's not really the case either i'm just 
know, there's just a clear delineation, however, as we kind of move through the timeline, you can see where, you know, the industry really kind of is sort of creating the themes, creating the models, and sort of uh, the templates for like each of the genres and what was good, what's not. And, you know, one of the best examples that we go to see is rock and roll, just because rock and roll kind of has this natural buildup, um, even though you can see the, the industry side keep building and building. And you know, rock and roll is kind of this very interesting point in time where, you know, it was so popular, it was a crossover. It finally, black music finally crossed over in the mainstream. And, you know, the industry just got really hooked in on this formula and it hooked the musicians in on this formula and it just kept going, going, going until, you know, the listeners, the audience, um, you know, wasn't really into rock and roll anymore. It moved on to other things. And, you know, but the artists of that era, you know, they were so programmed by that formula. You don't really see the adaptation. You know, most a lot of artists that we see on the timeline really were able to adapt to the times to some degree and you know sort of evolve but rock and roll is very interesting it, it sort of uh resembles like a motown or some more modern genres what that are very formula form formulaic and where the bands are kind of constructed and put together and then they just go 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 until it's over and then you know you as with these artists you know they want revival tours we saw them, you know, perform kind of the same songs over and over, but it's still always in that same formula. You don't see them try to change or adapt. And that's really, you know, I think one of the best examples that we'll, that you see as far as, you know, when the industry really uh, got hold of music um, and their exceptions. And uh, as I said, there's always a presence, you know, even before then. But, you know, that's really a good standout example is what that rock and roll era um, and so just very briefly um, a very brief I've already talked about the woman's perspective a little bit already and you know one of the things about the woman's perspective is uh, for those of you that don't know um it really uh, kind of reforms and expands on feminist uh, theory. Um, there's a, a definition by another professor at Morgan State, Dr. Melissa Littlefield, uh, sort of touches on that in one of her articles, is how it is an expansion of feminist theory, and it includes racial and cultural differences uh, with a specific focus on black women, which I, which I kind of already uh, spoke on for a second. And, you know, the, the blue lineage timeline um, is, is really just uh, to kind of elevate that, you know, non-industry created history. And, you know, the blues has a lot of tradition packed into it. And, you know, most, a lot of people, I would say most people probably recognize that the blues is essentially the, f the foundation of modern music. 
but when people say that they don't necessarily include all the history and cultural components that really continue to build on and you know create these other genres that we talk about on the timeline black artists or black musicians their story or their perspective was really suppressed along the way uh, you know even though you know throughout this whole process we can see that black artists you know from the beginning in comparison to where these uh, black Americans were coming from as far as you know just post the reconstruction era we know before that was Civil War, the end of slavery, so we're, you know, it's still really deep in it, and, you know, when we start the timelines, you know, definitely the repercussions and the, you know, the aftermath is very still, still clear, even though you're kind of moving on to a new era where we're seeing people, uh, you know, travel, move around, we're heading into the Great Migration shortly once we get into the timeline. So, you know, there's definitely change around the corner. And, of course, these artists from the beginning really are able to express themselves in unprecedented ways, you know, and really tell a collective story and a narrative that wasn't being told before. But, um, you know, along the way, you can constantly see that the narrative is being altered and edited because the themes are considered to be, uh, you know, not appropriate, uh, countercultural, and, you know, really present alternative ways of thinking that are not uh, okay with the mainstream. And that's not necessarily just talking about the general population or mainstream America, but it also edges against a lot of the uh, themes and thoughts of the black community as well. You know, you see both of that. Uh, obviously, more one more that, so than the other. And another theme is just the general disconnect between genres. People don't necessarily see the lineage from blues to hip hop. They see all these individual constructed genres, and that's generally how people speak about it. And that's accurate to a certain extent, certainly. Uh, but I think it's also important to be able to make that connection and see, you know, from start to finish, how do these all come together? How did it build up? How did, you know, some of the evolutions uh, in technology and the and the business, as, we, as we've talked about, how did this all shape some of these different genres in addition to what the artists were doing and the innovations they were making? Um, you know, I think those are all important connections. And, you know, the... And that's, yeah, that's really the core and the core focus of this assignment is just looking at kind of the story of some of these black American musicians that were spoken on the timeline and kind of make some of these links and connections that I've sort of opened up with and see if we can get somewhere in a reasonable amount of time. And hopefully, you know, if something speaks out to you specifically, um, you can be able to look up that artist, you know, look more into some of the stories or some of the, uh, the little background that I give about them or the examples and look a little bit more into it. Um, even if you don't use this website, uh, there's, you know, there's a good amount of information about you, each of these artists. I think, you know, what's unique about this website is just how it kind of brings everything together. I don't think there's necessarily new information being revealed um, necessarily. 
so yeah, I think just to focus on some of the, as I talk, some of the, uh, the, how the artists continuously push these cultural, racial, social, and gender norms. And you can see kind of based on the time period that, you know, the norms shift, the culture shifts, there's changes, and, you know, what's acceptable, what doesn't acceptable change, and the tools available also to adapt to the change um, evolve, and, you know, new things come forward, and it's always interesting to see how some of these artists in the older times, you know, which I think, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, the, it's always been a struggle for the black community and continues to be a struggle but of course, as you go back and back, you know, I think it can be a relatively well-accepted argument that things were harder. And as you move forward, things became uh, a little bit easier through hard work and some of these changing and pushing for norms, you know, social activism, all these different movements, you know, which actually in some ways made it harder because you have to push back and fight the system and fight some of these injustices. But, you know, just really, you know, nuts and bolts speaking, you know, I think when you go back just to look at each, each uh, experience, um, generally speaking, you know, we can see that the challenges for some of these artists, you know, further back were much more, it was a much more, uh, some of the barriers were just almost immovable at the time. And some of those, you know, of course, become more flexible and lenient where new new barriers are placed. You know, there's always something new. Um, of course, you know, these experiences are relative, you know, not to say or diminish any modern challenges and say people don't have it as hard as they did then. But things were different, you know, and a lot of these challenges were very broad, very, you know, even more systematic and and immovable in a lot of ways. And so as we go through, and for those of you who haven't seen the timeline before, you know, the timeline is not exhaustive by any means. I, you know, try to make that clear, um, especially in this context, because, you know, when you look, when you look at the timeline, for those of you who are, you know, are well-versed or just interested in general, you know, a lot of the famous names um, known in black music, you'll just be like, where, where are these, where is everybody? You know, it's not... It's not supposed to be exhaustive. It's not supposed to necessarily highlight all of those individuals. You know, it's really just meant to trace the lineage of some of the originators of these core genres, uh, which is blues, R&B, rock, funk, and hip-hop. And so sometimes you will see some of these very well-known artists, um, you know, very well-known. But also you'll see some lesser-known individuals, and then you just won't see some people that you probably are like, wow, that's... You know, this is one of the top sellers. You know, this person changed the game. But when you really, if you really go through the timeline, I think, you know, it makes more sense as you see, like, this artist, uh, you know, helped contribute to this technology. You know, they d may not have been the biggest seller, but this is what they contributed and started. And, of course, you know, everyone, all these artists build on top of, you know, the, the their predecessors and become better and better. And so I think you can make an argument that, you know, any of these well-known artists made, you know, a little difference, a little change that really took it that much far and took it that much further to make them big. 
and in that light they are one of the in innovators but as i said i really try to you know we really try to focus on the originators and some of these core um, artists to align with like some of the technology and social aspects that we also speak about um, on the timeline and you know i think it works out pretty well that flows pretty well and you can really see a tight lineage if we added all the artists you know of course it would get a little bit harder to make those connections but you know it's not in any way to diminish some of you know, the great artists of all time it's just uh kind of how this the timeline flowed you can always just think of these artists as examples once again it's not exa exhaustive so these are just examples um of artists who really contributed to this overall architect architecture and infrastructure of black music um And, uh, you know, and I, I think when you think of uh, an example of architecture, infrastructure, when you talk about black music that you don't necessarily consider, I think one thing that really spoke out to us or when putting together this timeline was uh, black radio. Uh, when you think about um, the importance and the integral, the integral importance of black radio uh, throughout the timeline and how, you know, number one, just from, you know, going, considering the early time period that this timeline starts and, you know, in the early 19, you know, 10s, 20s, um, you know, in the, in the 1920s is where you see uh, the great immigration start to get going in the early 19 teens and 20s. And so in that time, you really don't have I mean, number one, you know, you have limited electrical technology to do a lot of this stuff, but you really are starting out in the beginning with, as far as communication and media, you're starting with newspapers, which is very limited. And of course, once you get the radio, we think about how, who's controlling the radio, uh, radio is generally, um, you know, white owned, you know, produced top to bottom, so, so on and so forth. So it's not being catered to the black community. And of course you get Jack L. Cooper in there and Jack L. Cooper you know, changes not only that infrastructure as far as being able to talk to the black community in a very large scale, much larger when you think about the ground that radio can cover, especially AM. You think about uh, um, not just communication, but also the music that was was now being played. Um, and of course, I'll talk a little bit more Jack L. Cooper because there's a little bit of controversy there. But as we move on with Black Radio, you know, you can continually see it expand, expand across the country, and having that sort of um, that sort of uh, reach and ability to communicate, you know, especially about really personal issues or not personal, but community level issues. Um, that just were not being spoken about. And you can have kind of the singular voice. You know, when you have a newspaper, you know, you know that this newspaper is supposedly coming from, this is a black newspaper that's speaking to us. But when you don't hear that uh, language, you don't hear those cultural references always through um, written text. But when you hear it through radio, that's huge. And now you're hearing music that reflects uh, your culture. And maybe, you know, in a lot of cases, this is music that even... Uh, you know, people within the culture didn't hear, and now also you're projecting this or 
white culture, mainstream culture also has access to this music as well. So, you know, it's just a real cultural shift. It's a huge infrastructure shift. And it's something that, uh, you know, people, I think, consider to some degree um, when you talk about the evolution of music, black music, but maybe not thinking about how integral it was. And that's just an example of, you know, how important the infrastructure and, and architecture as far as the building blocks of all of this um, modern music, um, how it all kind of came together and, you know, keeps going through all the way through hip hop when people talk about um, uh, when people talk about uh, Jack the Rapper um, and some of these other artists uh, who at the time were broadcasting down south, um, specifically at the time, I believe it was when he was broadcasting from Florida. And people are talking about um, how the at night, um, certain radio stations can only broadcast at night. And since there was so little uh, broadcasting tra- tra- uh, traffic at those times, you know, this was during the funk era, a lot of these those broadcasts went down to the Caribbean uh, islands, and and uh, that was one of the big ways that uh, you know a lot of the music funk, which is the basis of hip hop, a lot of that spread down and kind of evolved in that way in in those islands. And of course, we know later on um, when we get back a little bit in the future, um, the the birth of hip hop, we know how big uh, people of Caribbean descent were and sort of that evolution of hip-hop in new york and so you know these are just examples and you know i think things that people have considered do consider but not necessarily things that people bring together and kind of put together in in a lineage and think about the history and kind of just how kind of kind of all integrates into black history um i think people excuse me i think people definitely you know, it's very well documented how important music was through some of these very various movements. But I think when you think about the actual chronological, the progression, how it was utilized, how it kind of mesh, really meshes and fits together in the actual timeline of history, I think, you know, it's not necessarily always considered um, this way. And I think, you know, the genre aspect is definitely a huge piece in that divisive piece because it kind of breaks things up in a way where you almost people like to think that genres kind of grew in silos. And one of the interesting thing about radio is you can almost think about people talk about siloing now in the modern age in social media, uh, you know, with Twitter and whatnot, how people kind of get stuck in these silos, these groups, these echo chambers. And when you think about it, radio really was kind of that first you know, not only, but first um, or early, it, it reflects that. I don't want to say first, but it really reflects that uh, that same issue with siloing because people really got stuck or listened to a singular station that spoke to them. And obviously there's a geographical component to that. Um, you know, radio stations are going to be placed geographically to where, you know, they think they can get an audience where that their audience will be maximized and radios of course played specific genres um and 
you know, especially for black music, you know, until we get to rock and roll, we don't really see crossover. And so, you know, the, the radio stations themselves were in many ways very segregated. And, you know, there's there's definitely variation of genres within that. You know, certain radios might just only play jazz. Some might play some of the new uh, R and what would be hot on R and B charts, which you know encompassed all of black music during that time. Uh, but when you think about siloing, you know that's a that's a that's a silo based on the music that you want to listen to or the music you do listen to, and within that, you know, you have marketing, you have commercials. People are are uh, spe- uh, specifically targeting you with different ads and different news and you know cultural happenings, this and that. So you you kind of are become kind of inundated with some of the sim- similar in a similar way where you're kind of getting the same information without necessarily the nuance and different perspectives that um, you would see if, if there wasn't, you know, these genres when you think about, you know, later technologies like TV where people are just flipping through a channel, uh, you know, looking through, you know, f- especially cable TV, just looking through different, um, different stations and you get a, you're exposed to a lot of different things or even before that with broadcast TV you have like a few channels but you're kind of flipping through just because um, you know you only have a few offerings and people everyone is you know the whole world is tuning into specific programs you know you have a whole nationwide it, it across it, it you know encompasses the entire nation so everybody is watching this program and so that really changes things with in comparison to radio where it's very regional and people are kind of separated by genres but anyways like i said i don't want to get i'm trying to you know kind of make this a summary and a wrap up in some ways the timeline we're also integrating these uh womanist themes and if i'm not careful this will go on for you know hours and hours so i'm gonna try to really get to these examples um very briefly though just going back to genres um you know all these uh as we said, like all these um, genres and whatnot, really go back to the blues. They have this connection to the blues. Um, and so, before uh, I get into this, I wanted to look at this chart very quickly to just address why these specific genres um, on the timeline uh, blues, R&B, rock, funk, and hip hop. Um, while they were chosen and you know I, I try not to really get in this um, when I'm talking generally speaking when just talking about the timeline just because I don't want it to become uh, divisive and it's not supposed to be dis- dismissive of the other genres because I know you know jazz and gospel are obviously uh, very integral parts of this music history but when you really think about the lineage the story is really in the blues you know the gospel gospel of course tells it is part of black history it tells an important story but when you think about the actual music obviously it's speaking about the actual content of the music is speaking about another story you know if you see what i mean and jazz you know is um you know a very another very important genre um in terms of uh black history black music history um you know, sometimes jazz is not really even telling the story at all. But um, you know, it's it's uh well we can get in, well I'll get into the history very briefly, just uh just a second. But you know, jazz is obviously a complex part uh, complex art. 
and culturally these are very important but you know the once again the story is in the, the blue lineage and that's kind of what i try to hammer home and it's not supposed to be not this supposed to be exhaustive it's not supposed, supposed to be dismissive and as you can see on the chart you know there's a clear um link and exchange of knowledge throughout uh throughout the timeline um but you know, you kind of just focus on these genres here. Um, so as you can see, um, I guess going from left to right, you know, we have ragtime, and that goes down to jazz. So jazz is really uh, basically ragtime and blues. Uh, ragtime is based on a uh, it's essentially based on a uh, marching style music with the integration of like polyphonic uh, rhythms and that's how you kind of get ragtime and the marching music is based on uh what's his uh john uh souza connected to who's connected to the souza phone I forget his first name at the moment um but yeah, you know, so you kind of get with jazz, you kind of get a mixture, a really integration mixture of cultures that really contribute to jazz, which I, you know, which is important, important and the, you know, black culture and a lot of West African, Caribbean and, you know, a lot of um, different cultures come together um, in a melting pot way to kind of form jazz. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's definitely uh, important it's culturally important um, as you can see like jazz contributes to all these other genres and um, you know I don't like I said I'm not I'm not trying to I don't really have anything negative or bad to say about jazz it's just really the focus um, on the timeline is the blues and as you can see blues goes into jazz as far as its creation and you see an exchange, especially when you move through time, like when you get to, I think, funk specifically, you know, you, it's very undeniable that, you know, there's been clear exchanges. And of course, as you keep moving through time, you know, I think a lot of genres in general have gotten more murky and murky. And during the entire time, you know, when you think about the backing bands for some of these artists, some of them might play jazz, you know, on Saturday and blues on Sunday know or gospel on sunday blues on saturday you know jazz on friday um so you know the integration and the exchange is always there uh it's just really kind of the core storytelling component and where that comes in and as you can see with these core artists you know they really clearly follow that lineage you know as far as who's influenced by who uh directly um who they're um their uh, writing style is influenced by where are their lyrics paying homage to, you know, they kind of follow this uh, lineage and it, you know, evolves so on and so forth. So I just want to very briefly um, address that and kind of clarify, because I know um, specifically for this episode, um, people might not necessarily have followed the timeline to get to this point and may, you know, be a little bit confused by, 
why you know gospel and jazz are not not included in the timeline and you know it's just really as the as the timeline is named blue lineage just kind of following that timeline it's not to dismiss these other genres in any way um and you know if you are curious um there are um episodes where i I speak upon upon a little bit more um i think specifically uh i touch upon it a little bit more in uh i want to say episode four no I don't, I don't it would be, have to be episode three or four i'd have to look it up more specifically when it would be the episode when we talk about um the american federation of musician strike uh and i think louis jordan was also included in that episode i touch on a little bit on the history of that a little bit more but once again i don't get too deep into it because you know it's not supposed to be uh saying why anything is more superior or not than the other 